To be the best, you need to play with the best. You might not have your own personal high-level circle of women yet, but you can hang with us on The Female Millionaire Show. I'm Midori Verity, serial entrepreneur for over 25 years, and I interview badass female founders and cut through to what you really need to know. So in 20 minutes, you have what can take years to learn. If you're wanting to play bigger, come play with us. Join the female entrepreneur revolution today. Cheers. We're talking about legal aspects of your business today. This is one where you need to make sure you have a notepad and pen because these are areas that can get you into big fat trouble if you don't know what you need to be aware of today. So we're going to be talking with Shermeen Latka. She is awesome. She owns a boutique legal firm called Level Up Legal. It's all about women-owned businesses. So that's why we have her here. I'm excited to dive in. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So tell me, what made you decide when you decided to start your own boutique? Why did you dive into women-owned businesses? So I decided to start my own practice at the end of 2018. And one of the reasons is because I've always felt like I wanted to work in an area where I felt very passionate. And I also wanted to serve underrepresented founders. So when I did start my practice, one thing that I wanted to make sure is that I had flat fees, and this would help make legal services more accessible to female founders and underrepresented founders as well. So minorities, et cetera. The reason I really wanted to help women is because I do think that when it comes to legal, a lot of times women are just a little more cautious. And a lot of times where we can be proactive versus reactive in a lot of areas, but sometimes when it comes to legal and finance, we just don't feel like we have as much accessibility as there really is. And we need to see the importance behind that. So I think one thing that I wanted to do was always be very female centric, female focused. I run an all women law firm um, just to be someone that women can relate to, especially as they navigate through the different areas of entrepreneurship and being a founder. So it honestly kind of happened organically to represent females and underrepresented founders. I think, um, you know, it's great to work with like-minded individuals. I'm always very inspired by the women that I work with who are always just pushing the envelope to do more. Um, and it just makes my day and my cup feel more full when I'm helping people that I know really need the support. Um, so that's just kind of how it all happened. And it's funny enough though, you know, more than half of our clients are men, even though we are very female focused, even though we really support women founders, um, it just goes to show, you know, women um, are extremely empathetic and especially as attorneys, they are. And so we really focus on the people first and then how we can protect their businesses, which are their passions. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the areas that we need to be aware of that you see being over, overlooked by a lot of business owners and can get us into big trouble. So tell us, share some of that with us. So one of the things that businesses should do from the onset is really look at their business formation structure. Also, if you have a partner or anybody else that you're giving ownership in your business to, it's always good to have that in writing. So I have a lot of clients that have started businesses with friends or family members, 
They end up filing a legal entity, which is always, you know, the first step you should do in terms of, you know, getting started on your business. But then you definitely want to paper up. I think the hardest thing for a lot of founders to do is ruffle feathers. They don't want to talk about equity or difficult things in the beginning because they're just like, everyone's coming in with the best intentions, et cetera. But I think that is one of the most important things to do is get an operating agreement, a partnership agreement, everything papered up. Because unfortunately, see, I see the opposite side of that all of the time. And that's when people call me and they say, you know, I started a business with my best friend. We came in with the best intentions. We never had it papered up. And now things have gone south. And at that point, you know, it can get ugly. So I think just having everything discussed on the onset with that is always important. That's why you bring in a, maybe a third party, an attorney in that instance, because then you can have that difficult conversation with your attorney who then can hopefully have it and make it very even keeled when it comes to being smart about protecting the ownership, which is pretty much everything that you want to do in terms of why you're even doing the business. You want to see it scale. You want to maybe exit. You want to get, you know, definitely have some return on it, revenue on the things that you're doing. So the ownership is really how you do that. Um, and then the second thing I would say is definitely brand protection. We can't stress that enough. I actually had a call today with a woman who is starting a business. She did a, a Google search. She looked on Instagram, thought her name would be okay, that she decided to run with the, for the brand. And then she found that there was potentially a competitive product out there that had tr- that had trademarked their brand with an intent to you. So they weren't public yet. But because they had filed, they're likely going to get the trademark. And so she has to change her name. I think that's always very difficult in terms of when you have a brand and you've identified, you know, your market with it, you feel really attached to it, and then you have to change it. And you've paid for branding. You've had your logo designed. You've had your your website designed and everything needs to be changed. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen that happen. And it's so simple. And One thing I just want to mention, because I've owned businesses for almost three decades, is that just like marketing, just like, you know, business growth, you have to have an investment in legal when you start your business. It's just one of those aspects that is going to pay off so dearly if you do run into trouble or if you decide on a name and you build it out and you did not do the background, like you said, where you go and get a trademark or at least have the research done so you understand if it's available or not. So I completely agree. The other thing that you brought up about partnerships, oh my gosh, get the contract done in the beginning while you're still happy, while things are still smooth. And I cannot tell you how much it helps to have that third person who's not invested in either side who's a mediator to help you help point out things and get things on paper so that you don't run into trouble when, if things do not pan out the way that you had anticipated, because no one goes into a relationship thinking it's not going to work out. Right. Exactly. And I think a lot of that is, you know, having those tough conversations, but also just understanding, like you said, investing in legal early. But I also have to say that definitely do your research when it comes to investing in legal. Because for business owners, I understand that every dollar really counts. So I've had businesses that have spent a ton on legal in the onset, and they didn't spend as much in terms of scaling their business. And then, you know, they either run out of money or they need to get investment, et cetera. 
So what we like to do is we like to go into a business or have a conversation with the founder and really strategize on how to spend their money appropriately. So if you're just starting out, you don't necessarily need a contractor agreement for somebody that you plan on hiring next year. What you should do if you are a bootstrapper, which a lot of women tend to be, is really focus on the things that you need to spend your money on today and now. For example, if you are still kind of iffy on your brand name and you're like, I kind of like this name, I might change it. Don't spend on trademarking it yet because that process could take up to a year. Focus on the things that you need to do. And that's why I think a lot more people are coming up with a flat fee model similar to what we do or a subscription model where you can really budget your legal. When it comes to legal and accounting, I think everyone's biggest fear is I'm going to be hit with this $10,000 bill. Like I don't know what I'm paying for. And I'm nervous about that. So in terms of what we do is we take away that fear in terms of hiring legal by offering upfront flat fees. So people know what they're paying for without having that big question mark of what's this going to cost me. I think that's a big back and forth when it comes to women and hiring the right types of people to help protect their business is the cost and the, the, the not knowing what it's going to be. Okay. Makes sense. So when it comes to entities, this is a question that I get a lot. There's LLCs, there's S corps, there's um, C corps. How do we determine where we should be? That's a great question. And I get asked that all the time too. And it's a little bit of a mix between what your plan is for your business, how to best um, handle your taxes and make sure that you're not being taxed inappropriately or over you're getting overtaxed um, and really what the, what the longevity of your business is. So for example, if I work with a technology company that I know is going to be raising investment, I would generally recommend that they do a Delaware C-Corp. That's because that a lot of institutional investors and private investors prefer to invest in Delaware C-Corps. And they also can, they also have better laws for investors. They have private shareholders or private investors, et cetera. So that's why you recommend a Delaware C Corp for someone like a software who owns a software company who is which is likely going to need investment. Now, if you are a business that has manufacturing, high profits and losses, um, I would obviously recommend an LLC or to be taxed as an S Corp. So an S Corp is actually not a type of corporation. That's a big misconception. It's a tax election. So you can be a corporation or an LLC taxed as an S corp, which is an election that you make at the end of the year. So figuring that out is a big a mix between knowing the legal aspects of it and the tax structure of it. So we work with an accountant because we don't necessarily provide tax advice. We're not accountants. So we work with one that can help kind of marry the two to make sure that you're getting taxed in an appropriate way with your exit strategy in mind. I've had to deal with a lot of businesses that file as an LLC and we have to convert them quickly. For example, I had a client that was an LLC and they got into Techstars, which is a great accelerator program. And Techstars required them to convert into a Delaware C-Corp right away. Because of that, everything had to be changed pretty quickly. So it's good to kind of think of that. If you know you're applying for those types of accelerators, if you know you're going to go for institutional investment, you should think of the longevity and the roadmap of your business on the onset. Otherwise, it does cost you time and money in terms of administration, et cetera. Um, but if you plan on operating, you usually want to file in the state that you operate or where you have something called boots on the ground. 
so that you make sure that you are not paying the most in fees, that you are in the best tax structure. I'm based in New York, so the tax structure is not the greatest, but um, it's good to make sure that you're compliant when it comes to that. Yeah. And like you said, this is something you can also discuss with your accountant and just make sure you're set up appropriately. So now there's so many things going on in the business world. We have AI, we have data breaches, we have so much new technology that is, I, I feel like each day it's, a, it is advancing, but it's advancing so on such a steep curve. Where does legal come in with this to protect us as we navigate this new era? So that's a great question. I'm personally a huge fan of AI because of the fact that I have found that before when people would hire an attorney, they would really, or even a doctor, right? We would always rely on the expert without really having much knowledge. What's great about the clients that I work with today is that they're so educated and they're, they really know their business and they want to learn. They want to learn about the legal side of their business so that they feel empowered enough to talk about it. So when it comes to AI, I think these tools are a really great way for people to do some initial research on what they're trying to determine in terms of, you know, a simple answer to a question. It's also a great way to save money in terms of having to fully rely on an expert when you can use chat GPT to help answer the question that you have. Now, I think a lot of attorneys get concerned because they think that, oh my gosh, chat GPT is going to take over our jobs. But then going back to the right question to ask, a lot of times I have found that clients don't necessarily know exactly what they need. And so when hiring an attorney, it's extremely important to have somebody that understands what you need as in a business and how to actually frame that in a legal perspective. So I'm actually doing a whole series now on TikTok about questions that I ask chat GBT. So questions that clients have asked me and how to input that in the right frame. And I think that's where AI is really going to come into play. And I think learning how to use it in the right way is going to really breed a whole new slew of jobs. It's going to make things a lot easier. In terms of technology companies, I think for companies that are bootstrapping, if you need code, it's open source. You can literally use and find code for anything that you need on chat GBT. That's amazing. Um, even when we do trademark searches, we use an AI uh, software called Hulu. And it's been amazing because it's helped us so much in terms of getting the data so quickly and being able to analyze that data. So you can always do a search, but how do you analyze it? So I think it helps us in terms of getting the proper answers, helping our clients scale quickly, efficiently, and just giving that more, more reassurance than it used to be. So Although there is a lot out there, it's kind of how I think people felt with social media. Like, my God, there's just so many platforms. There's Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, all of this, YouTube. But at the end of the day, I love that. I love social media because that's how I launched my business. I never spent a dollar on marketing. I marketed completely on social media. And before that, there may, be not, there may have not been an avenue for me to do that. So you look at the, these new technologies and if you can just appreciate them for what they are and learn how to use them correctly. I think it does really empower our founders wherever they are in the world. Okay. So one last question, how do we, what are things that entrepreneurs where areas where they get themselves into trouble? So let's, we know that anyone can sue anyone for anything. 
right? Especially in the United States. It seems to be this like in thing to do. How can we protect ourselves more? I know we talked a little bit about corporations, but what are some things that, that an entrepreneur who's been in business for a little while, they're starting to grow. As we grow, we open ourselves up to some more issues legally, quite frankly, more people are watching, right? So what are some areas that we really need to be paying attention to? So there's a couple of things that you can always do to protect yourself. So we really focus on various, I want to say buckets of law. Um, formation is one, trademark intellectual property is one. A big one that we've been dealing with is contracts and having the right service agreements, outlining terminations, penalties, and payments. So whenever there is a dispute of any type, generally has to do with payments and damages. So for example, I'm working with a um, social media management company. Their client didn't pay the bill that they needed to pay. And we looked in and they said that they had to do written termination in a certain way. And there was never any type of discussion that if certain things weren't done, that the that my client wouldn't get paid. If you look at the four corners of a contract, if anybody sues you, if anything seems to be in breach, you always want to look back at the contract and you just got to make sure that payment is really outlined appropriately, termination, how and when to terminate. And you always want an out too. I always make sure that my clients have a way out of a contract if things go south and also that there are certain penalties or you make sure that penalties are not outlined. It's always a two-sided coin. I you know, keep certain things written in a contract depending on who my client is and which side that they're receiving or providing services. So that's important to consider as well. But I think that is actually one of the biggest things, a contract. Now I have had clients come to me and say, I have an email, I have this, I have that. I don't have a written signed contract. A contract is considered, you know, there is intention, consideration, services provided. There's different ways that you can basically say like, hey, there was intention here to create a contract services were rendered, payment was accepted, and you can look at some of that writing in advance. I would say never just do anything over the phone, keep a written agreement and keep all your emails. Um, And that's a huge thing to do in terms of protecting yourself. I get a lot of questions about, okay, how do I protect myself from someone talking about me negatively on social media? There's a huge cancel culture out there and people are in a lot of fear of that. Unfortunately, the hard thing is that it's very difficult to protect yourself from people using their right to First Amendment and being able to talk about what happened. Now, they can't, you know, fabricate something that's happened and talk about something that's untrue. Um, But if it seems to be their truth and it's in line, then it's very difficult to prevent that. Another thing that's really I get a lot of questions about is say I have a product and a copycat product comes out or a design that's similar. How do I protect myself? There's also, you know, the ability of free market. So a good example of that is Amazon Basics. Amazon will look at, you know, what the highest grossing product is in the market on their on Amazon and they usually create an Amazon Basic out of that. Very difficult to protect that because, you know, people have free market. They're able it's you can try to protect design here and there or product packaging through trademark or a patent, but Overall, those are some of the difficulties in terms of protecting brands. But I think the biggest thing you should do is, of course, protect yourself legally, file a business, get your contract, get a trademark. But another thing to do is make your service or product 
the biggest one on the market, differentiate yourself, spend a lot more on branding, focus on legal, but definitely don't do it to the detriment of you being able to scale your business. Find someone who is a legal advisor or people you trust, create a C-suite of a chief financial officer, legal advisor, accountant, and anybody that you need to help scale your business off the ground and actually want to see you succeed rather than just billing you for things that maybe you don't necessarily need yet, but you will in the future. So it's good to have all of those things in mind, but definitely focus on your business, your brand and the scaling. Oh my gosh. That was such a great way to end the interview <laughs> because that is that encompasses so much. And those are issues I hear about all the time from clients. So thank you so much. Where can people find out more information about you and your practice? Sure. So we have a website, www.leveluplegal. It's lvlupegal.com. So level without the ease. We also are on Instagram, lvluplegal. We are on TikTok. We are on YouTube. You can also schedule free 15-minute consultations with us anytime via our Calendly link. And you can also email us. The general email for us is contact at lvluplegal.com. Thank you so much for being here. Go check her out. Make sure you're covered with legal and all these other aspects to protect your business as you grow. Thank you so much.